0: Welcome to the Legendarium. Book 2. Right. Oh, 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 Okay, this is already, this I'm
1: is sorry, weird. did you just fart? <laughs>
2: so
0: this is happening now.
1: We don't know what the Horn of Ellier sounds like, you know. Actually, <laughs> I think there is a. Yeah, it's it's <laughs>
0: crystal clear, and it makes Jeff from Bornholm despair and soar with hope, just like one of Ryan's farts, apparently. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. It's episode something. I, I actually don't Four know. 117? One, one 17, 17. 2.2? <laughs> no. Somewhere between, <laughs> <two>? between 114 <laughs> and 120. <laughs> All right. Welcome back. It is The Great Hunt Part 2. We have a lot more book to get to that we didn't uh, in our first episode. Uh, well, First of all, to introduce myself, I'm Craig Hanks, and uh, let's see, over here, he's creepier than a clown playing Ouija in your attic, it's Ken Johnson. Hey, the people I stalk have never complained. And if life were a movie, then I'd probably be Maverick, which makes him, I don't know, maybe Goose's wife Carol. It's Kyle Hunt. Dude, I don't want to talk about Goose. I'm still still in mourning. (laughs) And his life is like an introvert party. No one's invited. It's Ryan (laughs) Bruckman. You're all... I'm already too crowded by what's going on here. Uh, All right. Welcome, everybody. Before we get started, a quick reminder, patreon.com slash legendarium. You can go there and support the show. The last uh, Wheel of Time episode we did, we had Corey on, uh, which was fantastic. That was a reward that we had for a little while for our $5 donors. And I'm still honoring that for those who had already signed up. But I ended up changing the $5 uh, donor reward because, honestly, we had... I don't know, half dozen people that signed up for the $5 reward, and then every time I would try to schedule an episode and get some people on, uh, it just didn't work out. You know, people are busy, and uh, we're all in different time zones, and so there's you know a guy in Australia who's like, yeah, I'm asleep, so I'm not going to be joining you, that kind of thing. Uh, so I changed it up, and what we're doing now, if you donate $5 an episode, which is incredibly generous by the way, <laughs> so there are other levels. Uh, but if you do donate $5, we have uh, a new uh, what are we calling it? A gift package, uh, care package that yes. we'll send out a legendarium
1: treasure chest there
0: you go nice i like that uh but we'll send it out every four to six months and it'll have some goodies in there i'm getting some t-shirts made maybe we'll do some hats and stickers and
1: when it opens it makes a zelda theme <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be amazing but i lied that's not actually going to happen not that, there's not that many people paying us <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah that's that's if you pay eighteen dollars an episode we'll we'll make you one of those uh um, we'll anyway carve something <laughs> exactly <laughs> So, if you go to patreon.com slash legendarium, you can find that reward and some others. If you donate $3 an episode, there's some behind-the-scenes audio that you'll get access to on Patreon. Uh, For instance, our review of the Star Wars movie that just came out. Uh, What was that one called? Rogue, Rogue One. One. Yeah, so that'll, that'll be maybe some behind-the-scenes audio or something. Uh, but you get access to some of those things. If you are a $1 per episode donor, you get nice, warm, fuzzy feelings. So congratulations to those people. Anyway, let's talk about The Great Hunt. Uh, the last episode, I did my intro to the book. I didn't write one for this because... I already did the whole book. So to those of you who enjoy those intros and miss it, don't worry. I'll, I'll bring it back next time.
1: Let's go we'll back and play one. the other episode. Yep. Yeah, yeah the there you first go. The part of the other episode again.
0: Yeah, you can play these episodes anytime you want. That's the beauty of podcasting. So let's go ahead and uh, do you just want to pick up where we left off and start talking about the book and stuff you guys liked and stuff you didn't like? Uh, I think last time we were talking about contrails and conspiracy
1: theorists and... And uh, then we got talking about Jesus, Scientology. Yes, yeah, yeah. so we got into a very uh, theological discussion at the end there. That was actually good. I like that. Corey had some, uh, Corey had some good points. We got to smart it. listeners. Yeah, we do. I don't know why they listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> <Apparently> <laughs> maybe not to, that smart. They keep listening. Maybe it's uh, to feel good about themselves. That's <laughs> true. Um, yeah, Ryan, one, thing that we, uh, one thing that we really didn't talk about much at the beginning, because we knew we would be doing another episode, uh, we didn't talk a whole lot about the end, so let's jump there, like right off the bat. Okay. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I will mention
0: that uh, you guys all got, we've got our little Facebook group chat, and so you guys all got a nice little message from me going, oh my gosh, this ending is amazing. Uh, because it is. It's a fantastic ending.
1: So I'm going to talk a little bit about Something that I'm not sure I love, but I'm not sure I hate either about the ending here. And it seems to be a very small sample size, but it seems to be the way this series is going. That each book goes like this. Hey, everybody, that was a great adventure. Let's all go our own ways. Okay, now we're all back together at the end. Like, Rand just keeps pulling them all back to the same event at the same moment. Tavirin, Tavirin, Yeah. (laughs) it's like it doesn't matter it goes <laughs> try and get as far away i feel like there's this bungee cord effect you know they're trying to get as far away as they can you know throughout the book and then at the end it doesn't matter they're all snapped back to the I just, spot. Yeah, anyway. i just
0: heard fiddler on the roof in my head by the way <laughs>
1: that's we'll, we'll rewrite fiddler on the roof to to fit the great hunt story that'd That'll be, be amazing <laughs> but i just um, heard godfather just
2: when i think i'm out they pull me back in
1: that's what i let's see that's the thing is i i don't mind that This concept, this uh, thing where they've all got to be brought back together for big events or whatever, but I feel like if every book's going to be that way that I'm going to get tired of it real quick
0: I get, if I remember right, and it's very possible that I don't because as we've established I'm not very smart and I don't have a great memory uh, then it won't be that way forever it's, things are already kind of, you get the sense that things are going to scatter because the ladies go off to Tarvalin mm-hmm. and I mean they do get brought back in but then they just go right back to Tarvalin and so and the rand doesn't go with them you know so you're already breaking apart again i'm hoping that it's not that i, I way. think we're
1: going to have to revisit this again very small sample size thus far um and like i said in the previous one i've read ahead a little bit and i i'm i'm still feeling that way right now oh yeah so okay um but, like I said, it's, it's not really a problem. It's just something I've noticed that I'm trying to decide whether or not I'm going to get tired of this. Because in, in the end, I, I feel, and I actually cannot speak to this because I haven't finished the series, you know, the, with Tarm and Gaiden being the end, eventually they're all going to have to come together or all be a part of the last battle anyway, uh, whether that's a geographic closeness or not. Um, but, I mean, literally so far it's been, you know, we, they left Emmons Field and they all stayed together. It wasn't too bad here. You know, they they went. You know, half of them went to go take off after the horn. Then that party got split, and never split the party. Um, that was for you, Todd. And then <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. It's a Dungeons and Dragons thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, funny. <laughs> Two people laughed when they heard that. They were okay. like, oh, you're funny. <laughs> <laughs> You'll take it, I'm sure. I'll take it, yeah. <laughs> and the, those groups get brought back together, and then seemingly, conven- yeah, almost conveniently. The Tabirin. <laughs> Tabirin. Tabirin. <laughs> yes. The women are brought by Leandrin Sedai out of the White right. Tower and transported through the ways, right to where they need to be to have everything come together at the end with the the Shan Chan in Falma at uh, Toman Head and stuff right. like that. Like, like it's almost. It, it was just enough for me to go.
2: Come on! Yeah, <sighs> that that was not almost enough. That was enough for me to go. Really? But then uh, you. Move, I need to take you, you here
1: because reasons. But it was one. Of, it's one of those things. Like, I read that and I go, uh, and then I move on and I'm happy and I'm enjoying myself. Yeah, anyway, yeah It it's, didn't. Like, it it's, didn't it's Very stop minor, me. but it's uh, that's that's one of the things. Just about it being at the end. I was like, oh, we're all back together again. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know.
0: I I excuse that a little bit just because. Um, a, the shan shan are kind of the central um gravitational pull of this book mm-hmm. and so it doesn't bother me that that if you to use that whole like stretchy gravity analogy if you put that really heavy ball right in the middle of the story then everything's going to start rolling toward it yeah. so you have these shan shan there and and uh on wants to use them for his own purposes. So he goes to the Sean Chan and, and uh, Mm -hmm. Leandrin is apparently black Aja. And so she's going to use them for her own dark friend. Yeah. And I think, I think
3: going back to what we mentioned in the last episode um, about the shadow pulling strings from behind the scenes and they have a much greater, or they have that advantage of like having multiple dark friends or whatever. Um, The shadows play right now is in Falma and so the light's counter, if you will, has got to pull all of its champions or heroes mm-hmm. to that central place to, to be able to combat that. If that you want to look sense. at it from a from a larger standpoint. But I do I'm with Ryan on that. Sometimes it feels like you're just throwing down the Taviran card because I need all of my main people in the same geographical location. Mm-hmm. Um, Hopefully, and if I remember correctly, and not to do any spoilers, it branches out a little bit more as we get further down the series, where the last battle essentially has already begun. If you want to look at it like that, it's not the actual like we're gonna battle at this at this meet me battle at the, meet by the soccer Whatever. field. <laughs> but o'clock. you know, the, the last <laughs> battle has started in a grander grander view of the world, and there are all kinds of places that they're gonna have to be to counter certain uh strategies of the shadow so i think it will spread out a little bit but it does get a it does feel a little bit bungee cord it's we're gonna go out this way but i ran need you back here so here you go and here he is and
1: it may just be the short distance in which they can go on that bungee cord um because i again remembering a little bit very little from the previous readings i think they're allowed to get further away for longer periods of time uh, which will help, but in the end, yeah, that, like you said, they're all gonna have to. They are gonna have to kind of come together, and I, I get that. And it was just, I think, in this case, it, was, it felt like three book, you know, two two books, three books, whatever here, where it's like, and out and back, and mm-hmm. out and back, and out and back. Okay. It's interesting
3: too, because I think that we we as readers do the same thing that that uh, is it, Suan or Moraine or one of them mentions that. She gets so focused on Rand being the strongest Taviran that she's ever met mm-hmm. that she forgets that both Perrin and Matt are also very, very strong Taviran. I think that was Elida, so but them it could be. Yeah. I am not one of the yes. one of the Aes But just the interesting idea that yeah, these two guys are probably just as strongly Taviran as, as perhaps Ardor Hawkwing. Mm-hmm. Um, because Rand is just so much, you know, head and shoulders above as far as levels of Taviran or whatever. <laughs> but what they're pulling as well. So maybe it's not a rant necessarily a Rand thing. Maybe it's a Perrin thing or a Matt thing or I don't
1: mm-hmm.
0: know. And that's, and I because think that's pretty true to how we're reading the book so far, because mm-hmm. I, I forget that those two are Tavir and They're just kind of along for the ride at this point.
3: And I, and I think at after, after <sighs> this book ends, after Falma and the battle in the sky and everything, uh, Matt needs to go back to Tarvalin to be healed. Mm-hmm. And it's, convenient and, and maybe a little bit troublesome how convenient it is, but it's convenient that you have Varen and Nynaeve and Egwene and Elaine there that also are going to have to go back to Tar so they can take Matt with with them as they go. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Not as necessarily making
1: excuses, but... And yeah. to speak on the other side of my own point is to say, if he, we did immediately break out into... Now Perrin's off on his own adventure and Matt's off on his his own adventure. We'd get to the point like, why do I care? You know, which storyline do I follow? Mm -hmm. So bringing them all back to one is it's good writing and it's a good thing there. Um, I just I I hope I can get let them get a little further away. As long as it doesn't
3: become so repetitive that you can say, okay, we're we're 500
0: pages into book three. Time to bring them all. They're going to come back together. together. So I
3: totally get what you're saying.
0: Yeah. Um, bullet points Ken what's your what's yours I was what just you thinking about?
2: Uh, along these lines I'm just waiting for Matt to have any point at all I, mean,
0: Ooh, yeah. I just
2: <laughs> I'm Matt I, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I have pens up my sleeve <laughs> through through two through two <laughs> <laughs> books I mean I'm and I'm sure it's going to change because it, you know it starts to change at the end there I'm just waiting for him to have any relevance because I just I can't stand Matt at all really anytime he's on a page all he does is whine or all he does is be let sick let me ask you this all he does is whine about being sick and are you so tired are you
0: reading it. or listening i'm reading you're reading okay um would, the audiobook that's the how i read it first i listened to the audiobook and michael Kramer has he doesn't do crazy voices like he's not really going out on a limb with he's the in. voices but he does give each character their own little color kind of in Each his has voice has a unique tone and Matt's is definitely like kind of high pitched whiny uh, kid
2: blood and bloody ashes yeah exactly <laughs> that's funny then that, that's the way it reads also because he's just he's so through two books so far he's by far my least likable
0: character i don't remember a lot about how he ends up but it i don't think you're gonna be stuck in that in that mode yeah, of it definitely well, when, takes
3: matt a little while to mature and especially within the first two books because he gets connected to that dagger yeah there's a lot of things that are in are in play because of the dagger well, and that's but he's definitely and that's immature thing, that, in general
2: that dagger um, kind of throws everything off. And, and
3: By book three, I think you're going to start to like
2: Matt. Well, at the end of The Great Hunt, I mean, it mm-hmm. he starts to to come around to have something to do other than, I'm sick. <laughs> uh, Rand is better than me. Uh, well, know. that's
1: true. Uh, that is true, but <laughs> yeah. I still, I, I'm i just going off of old feelings, but I remember Matt being one of my favorites, so I think he'll be fine. And yeah, I and I think we're... I'm kind of curious as to what the reasoning might be behind handicapping a character so early in the story.
0: Uh, with the dagger, with you the mean? With the dagger, yeah. Um, I think he just they needed some thing to chase after some reason for Rand to stick with everybody, or right? just
3: or just be able to build up. I mean, there are, how many how many main characters do we have? If you want to talk first tier, second tier, third tier characters, our main party we have six or seven characters that we have to get to know. And I think giving Matt the dagger and slowing that process down to where we actually don't get to know Matt. It helps us get into, get into the mind of Rand a little bit more, maybe Mm -hmm. a little bit more into Perrin and then also the girls and you can take time. And then like, I don't want to say it's a cop out, but it's, it's almost like a pause button for building Matt's character. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. In a, in a relatable, likable way. You and I, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, and, and generally speaking, and I can't, I didn't go back and count or whatever, I don't know that we've gotten much by way of a point of view chapter from Matt's perspective. We no, I don't yet, think we've had a single As far one. as I know. Um, and that's, it's generally in those chapters, I think, that you start to find the connections with the characters uh, right. that you really care about outside of someone like Lan, who you like, you don't need a. Perspective from him, just because you know everything you need to know about him, really. Right. And I, I, don't know if it <laughs> was he's quiet. He's, he's, he's needed. He swords well. Yeah, yeah. He's, he swords. He's stabby well stabby stabby's good. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, don't know if
2: if that was built in. That, that was the built in intention with the first two books, is to playing the long game that he's going to have relevance later, or if it just happened that way. Either way, I think. I think seeing, you know, through 15 books that's probably what I expect to happen and and that's fine. I just through the first two I can't mm-hmm. stand him.
3: I think I think you'll uh I think you'll really turn around in the next couple books. We'll Cuz I'm like, Ryan, I remember Matt being one of my favorite characters.
0: Um yeah, Ken, I don't think you have anything to worry about. Um, let's, let's. I don't have anything move. to worry about anyway. My life's good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you feel,
1: since we're on the topic of Matt, um, he does have a point in this book, and it's kind of a big one. Yeah, uh, the he, horn. He blows yeah, he the blows horn of Val here. So, that's, which, and that's what I'm saying. You know, he comes around at the end of the book. So, which, to be entirely honest, um, even on a second read through, knowing that that was going to happen, it still blows my mind. <laughs> the horn blow. It still blows my mind that you have such a major. Event, a uh, piece that's supposed to be part of your final battle. You know, this is all the prophecies have been leading you to believe that this is going to be blown before the final battle, and book two. You know, and book two. Right. Oh, oh, oh okay. Oh. This is already, this I'm is sorry, did know. you just? Part. <laughs> so well, no. this is happening now. We don't know what the horn of Valier sounds like. You know. <laughs> Actually, that's, I think there is a. Yeah, it's it's <laughs>
0: crystal clear, and it makes Jeff from Bornholm. You know, it, it it makes him despair, and and uh, it makes him soar with hope just like one of Ryan's farts, apparently <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh,
3: let's talk about that for a minute though. Cause I thought it was <laughs> all, all of how, how we're four of us all in this tiny room. And you know, they, uh, no, um, what I mean is, is the horn of Valir. And I thought it was really, really interesting after Matt blows the horn and the heroes show up and Arthur Hawkwing starts discussing things with Rand and he, he keeps calling Rand lose Theron, and, um, I thought it was really interesting that he mentions to—I don't know if it's Matt or if it's Perrin—but he he tells well, he tells Perrin to hoist the dragon banner or mm-hmm, whatever. Yeah. And so they put th- the banner up, and he says, "The horn—we're—we're we're bound to the horn, but we follow the banner." I so, was really confused by yeah, that. Yeah, I, I think that that's it. I was a little bit confused as well, but I—I I do think it's interesting because there's this whole idea that you know the horn could be sounded by. Trollocs, Trollocs or dark friends or whomever, but they will only follow the dragon banner. So I don't know if that's kind of a, like a cheat where you can't use the, you, you can blow the horn and bring the heroes of the horn back if you're a dark friend, but that's not going to do anything for you because you don't have the dragon banner. So I don't know. It's, it's an interesting, I hadn't really caught
1: that before.
0: Um, it, it was left unexplained and yeah. I, I was confused and I was, I, I kind of just let it go.
2: Which I'm which well it kind of ties the three of them together because I mean Matt blows the horn, R- Perrin hoists the banner and mm-hmm. Rand is Rand you know, Well so.
1: and I'm wondering if they're tied to that banner, to the dragon banner specifically or if they if, if it's, the it's one dragon. of those things that, or not even the dragon that it's just the heroes have to follow a banner yeah. mm-hmm. so if the shadow had blown it then the banner of the dark one which I we don't know what that looks like Yeah maybe. And I, <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> sorry not going to go there I'll, I'll explain later but mm. the banner of the dark
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> does he keep it with his taint or? <laughs> it's i was taint. hoping we could go two <laughs> full <laughs> episodes with trying i wonder hard. if
3: that's a criticism or not like i wonder i i'm curious from a literary standpoint because ardor hawkwing refers to rand as luce theron but Arter Hawkwing was born after Luce Theron. Now you can say, okay, their soul they're both heroes of the horn. They're so, they're tied to the horn. Their souls can converse. But would he be referred to as Lu Theron? Or would he be referred to as a different you know, he's the dragon's soul, yeah. essentially. But it's interesting that Ardor Hawkwing talks to Rand as Luce Theron, where if I'm if I believe Ardor Hawkwing comes after Luce Theron in Like, your timeline. timeline. Well,
0: yeah, but he mentions, I think it's Ardor Hawkwing that mentions, we've fought countless times before. Mm -hmm. People have blown the horn, and we come back, and we've fought for the Dark One, Mm -hmm. we've fought for Luz Theron, we've... whatever. But what what makes him refer to
3: him as Luz Theron instead of random other name that he's been as Dragon Soul? Like, why doesn't he just call him, like, Lord Dragon or something? Because... Right now he's Randall Thor. The next time he spins out in the Dragon th- Cycle, he might be Craig Hanks. You know, who
0: knows? Oh, oh. heaven help us <laughs> all. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know for sure, but I would just assume that. Uh, That's why I'm
3: wondering. It, maybe it's an oversight, or if it's just, am I thinking too
0: I far
1: think into it? Here's the re- my reasoning behind it. Here and uh, again, we're, we'll see how possible this is. Uh, lose Theron, his re- his. Uh, effect on the story in terms of he's the one who bound the Dark One into Sheogul, uh the Forsaken everything, it was and the the major changes to uh, the age came through him. So he's Luce Theron is the most pivotal identity of the dragon that has been so far, and the most I the most iconic. Um, because uh jumping ahead just a little bit, even the Forsaken refer to him Balzamon has referred to him as loose Theron. and everyone has referred to him as loose Theron, and probably because in my mind that's the identity that has been the strongest and the most dangerous to them uh, Perfect. I, right.
0: think, I think that's a great explanation I like by like that it.
1: um
0: so I want to do we we've got lots of other things to get to but uh, I've got a few quick fire bullet points to throw at you guys um, so I think I've got three or four and we'll just go through them real quick um shaquille shaquille o'neal's cameo uh he shows up in this story disguised as celine and i and i know that because she uses a jar of icy hot on rand Oh um, yes when oh, yeah. he gets his first heron brand On his she, <laughs> she, she <laughs> I see where you're going with this It took a while, it took a while to get there but uh, that yeah. was
1: a, that was the long way around yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. no
0: she she shows up and, and the the way he, he describes it the ointment felt cold at first then seemed to melt away warmly into his flesh and I was like hmm, what if Lanfear, has you know she who's been around for ages and ages it just kept this little jar of icy hot with her for a long time. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I think it's inter- I thought, I thought it was a really cool way to disguise the fact that she was actually channeling and healing him. Oh right, right. Um oh, I'm going to pull out this ointment and we're going to fix Right, it rubbing thin- dirt in his hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put some, some dirt bacon in on it. it. But uh right. it it seems strange to me that Rand wasn't like a little more suspicious, especially having mm-hmm. seen Moraine heal people having Felt The power used on him before where they describe it as like a cold feeling and then a warm feeling or whatever. And him just being like, "Oh, she has this magic icy hot." She's head. so hot.
0: she's so hot that it just distracts right. him from all <laughs> reasoning,
2: um, from all of the red flags that
3: we'll come back. We'll
0: come back her. to Celine in a little while. No, what, um, what
2: you just told me is that you think that Shaquille O'Neal is hot.
0: Oh, dude, I'm no. I he is one tasty dish. <laughs> he uh, has that little
1: shoulder shrug thing that he does. Right. <laughs> <at Christmas. laughs>
0: uh, the crystal in the pit, the big crystal ball thing. Uh, when that showed up, it really like fireworks were going off in my memories of like oh this thing is really important and then it got to the end of the book and uh, never showed up again in this book you remember
1: what is this? on the way to the Kyrie statue, statue,
0: Andy, giant statue they're excavating the, the hand. statue holding the hand. oh the, yeah and, uh, and anyway ah. so that just makes me think oh this thing is going to be really mm-hmm. important and it, it's interesting that he spent uh, enough time it was almost a full chapter i think uh it was a, it was and, a good part of a chapter yeah and it was the... a scene that was really emotionally compelling with rand and the one power and trying to you know close himself off from Sidine and all this stuff uh and then it, it's nothing for the rest and of the I book love... it's this huge setup and i, I guess it's gonna in, come in, in a that future scene
3: book. i love celine's reaction because she's like super terrified that rand's being so seduced by this Giant statue thing. Well, he, he should probably like, like melt her with it, right? And he's like, or she's freaking out trying to get him to like step away, get away from whatever it is because yeah. she obviously knows that it's something more than it
2: is. Which totally shouldn't be a red
0: flag either. Oh my. <laughs> um, all right. And then food descriptions. Kyle, you and I talked uh, the other day about the Chinese food. Yeah, Rand, Rand eats Chinese, like sweet and sour chicken, for the first time. Yeah, uh, when and they're on the road to, uh, they it, get this plate full is of it food. Yeah,
3: and the, the way that he, de- I, I wish I would have pulled the actual quote, but the way that he describes it, it's basically like a sweet and sour chicken type of dish. And Rand's looking at it like, "Oh, this looks really strange. Not something I'm familiar with," because you know he's a Two Rivers farm boy, mutton and right. Dirt.
0: I don't know. Uh, But it's uh, one of the reasons I bring it up is because uh, after our Eye of the World episodes, I got a few Reddit comments. And people would say, oh, you know, one thing about these books is I can't read them hungry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in the eye of the world, I didn't know what they were talking about. But this seems like the first inkling of apparently Robert Jordan does a lot of food stuff. And he just describes food and makes it sound really delicious. Was he secretly a foodie and we didn't know it? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, But so I assume that every dish that robert jordan is going to bother to describe is going to be very tasty and very interesting and very exotic which leads me to my next point uh pretty women in this book every time if if julia roberts is in this book well (laughs) many of them (laughs) if a woman in this story gets a name then she's almost invariably going to be remarkably pretty have
1: you guys noticed this there's a handful of yeah. characters that I, I, don't, I don't think fit that. W- but, right. But yes. so I he's, the, he's never been like, I looked at this woman and considered a trollic. Buzz, like, your yeah. girlfriend. Woof. <laughs> 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 uh,
0: so I don't <laughs> really know what to make of this other than just to roll my eyes a little bit. I, I don't know if there's anything else to it, but it's just kind of like, oh, brother. I think, and part of it has
3: to do with the Aes Sedai ageless look where you can't tell how old she is or whatever. And, they, you know, He describes most Aes Sedai with this, well, all Aes Sedai with this ageless look, but that that specific look is not necessarily pretty, but definitely not unattractive. So they're all uh, Jane Seymour.
1: I will tell you that I think my biggest issue with it, and it's not a big issue, is that I think right now beauty is associated with their power level right really? like, like generally speaking because we're looking at like celine is the most beautiful woman he's ever seen like and we know that celine is obviously very powerful and very different um the girls the, you know each of the the th- nine Egwene, elaine they're all attractive and they're they're very pretty and they're very powerful compared to Sedai. moraine is beautiful and she's very powerful um, but then you talk uh, – I don't know. Maybe that's not entirely accurate because, like, Swan Sanchez, you know, he doesn't describe her as as yeah, beautiful yeah, or anything. Right. But Handsome. And, she,
0: and that's why I say almost invariably. It's not like there aren't exceptions, yeah. but the exceptions prove the rule. Uh, but but the I also, I also, also think. The bad guys.
3: I also think from a reader's standpoint, like, if he's writing this for the teenage boy or whatever, the gen- generic fantasy fan – to not like if you if you say that Elaine is super hot and Egwene is not at all you're going to you know most of the the teenage boy readers are going to be like oh well Elaine's hot so i'm going to like that character better and i think that there is a little bit of a subconscious that's going on there like
0: you i don't know i would pin it on his some subco- subconscious more probably. than yeah. Yeah. like if i in video games when people have a chance to create their own characters like in World of Warcraft, you never see an ugly night elf running around. These guys all make these like stupid hot night elves, and like, probably girls too, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Having like, played, yeah, we then. all just we all gravitate toward attractive people. We like attractive people, and so when he writes it, he wants to write attractive people, I and guess. Yeah, and we understand
1: yeah. the. At least I think we understand the concept that it. Sh- yes, we know it shouldn't matter type things, but it apparently does.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, uh, last uh, quick fire bullet point fireworks. Um, Oh, yeah. I loved the fireworks in this when we were in Kyrian. Um, They're treated in this story as something of unimaginable power and intricacy. And it's really fun to watch characters like Rand, who's able to channel, and uh, Loyal, who knows everything about everything, uh, be really mystified by this thing and... I, I don't know. There's something about that. I you, you think about the technology that goes into making fireworks do what they do, and it really does feel like magic. Yeah, you know, even to
1: somebody who can channel the power. Considering some of our youthful exploits between Craig and I involving fireworks, <laughs> pliers, and razor blades, and monster balls, and piccolo peats, and stuff. I, oh my gosh! <laughs> I I sat there and I went, and I had a very similar reaction. Like if if you only knew how simple yet complex it really is. Yeah. Like, yeah. I get it.
0: One of my favorite ever home videos is me lighting off a, a reworked firework. And it, things went awry. Uh,
1: <laughs> There's a divot in your neighbor's front yard oh, for that's something true. you guys did.
0: <laughs> uh, cool. So let's... Uh, Can I add to your rapid the... fire one more? Yeah, go for it. Uh,
3: Rand officially becomes a blade master in this
0: book. D- oh, because he takes yeah. out... Uh, so there what's are his two? name?
3: There are two ways to become a blade master with a hair and mark blade. He's, he's kind of imposing for the last book and a half. Um, everybody remarks on his Heron Mark blade that he's too young to be a blade master, but there are two ways to study and earn it basically, or to defeat another blade master in single combat. And he defeats the Sean Chen high Lord. Turok, 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 I, think Turok. I think is his name, Yeah, which was a great Nintendo which 64. Fantastic. Game. And it, and it brings me back to a point that we talked about in the eye of the world a little bit, the way that Robert Jordan writes sword play is just fantastic in my mind because it's so elegant and sweeping, and it feels like a dance rather than just you know the hacking and slashing that you would you would think that swordplay is. Mm-hmm. That in order to be a blade master, you there is that art to it, and uh, that scene, you know, Ra- Rand had basically was defending himself, and and at, at first where he's he's got this struggle where he doesn't want to go into the void because he knows that within the void therein lies Sidine and he doesn't want to be tempted to take a hold of the power or whatever. So he's struggling with himself and trying to fight this straight up blade master without the use of the void. And when he finally decides to take the void and, and he can focus in, um, he starts to hold his own and even starts to, to, um, attack rather than be on the defensive. And that scene to me was just really cool with all of the, all of the conflict going on within Rand, um, it's it's interesting to me c- that he would rather face a blade master without the void than face Sirene. Yeah. So, mm-hmm.
0: and I like th- when he writes the swordplay, the names that he gives to the different forms, uh, which is really different. We're used to um, the Brandon Sanderson style of just blow by blow and this person's arm went 90 degrees that way and that made this thing happen and it's really engaging and it's really blow by blow and in this case it's more like what, a way I, through the what do I, went through what went into lizard on the face what, yeah, and, yeah and then pigs in a blanket <laughs> <And> <laughs> you're like what's going on the courtier
2: taps the fan but and can't but, but the so language
3: well. that he uses in those descriptions it's, it's great it's it's vague enough to leave it to your imagination, but it's it's distinct enough to be like you know when it's heron sweeping through the brushes or whatever. It gives you that image, but it doesn't tell you exactly the movement. So y- you do have that ability to, to kind fill of fill in the blanks. Fill in the blanks.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, That's I, funny I think it's great.
2: Because I, my comment on there, my thought on that was I sure enjoyed wind stance and stone stance a lot better than you know all. Of oh, those. from
0: but, uh, Stormlight.
2: Yeah, it's stuff like that. But I, but yeah, I mean the mm-hmm. way you guys describe it makes me. Reevaluate my position.
0: Yeah, I kind of thought you might feel that way, Ken. It always does because it's not blow e- by blow.
2: Every time you say something, I you know reevaluate my position.
0: That's you know I'm very smart and you're not, so that doesn't true. surprise me. I'm just
2: gonna say yes, sir, to everything <laughs> from now on. <laughs> uh, no, actually, I, I, but seriously though, when you guys, uh, when you guys put it that way, and it does really evoke a. Uh, uh, an imagery sense of the fighting, rather than a blow by blow, and and that really does add something to the story that's different than what you typically get, and I liked it.
1: Which it actually, there's a great moment in this, which is a giant red flag for anybody who's read fantasy long enough to know. This is oh oh red, uh, sheathing, the sheathing the sword. the sword. Yeah. 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 When lands like, I got to teach you one more. It's called sheathing the sword, and I'm like, oh, uh, right. here to go. have to stab okay. himself now. Yeah. Because you can't really be like, Rand, I got to teach you one more. It's called stab yourself. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, you will never use this throughout the entire series. Oh, what oh, a release! Except
1: <laughs> until the very end here, when you're going to have to stab yourself. Yeah, or let someone stab you. That so. was foreshadowing.
3: Well, and and in the end, when he he stabs Balzamon with his hair blade, he's finally become a blade ba- blade master, and he receives and he loses his blade. and he loses his blade, and it's and it's his father's sword, and it, this is a big deal for Rand. He one he gets branded for the second time in his palm with the heron mark because mm. the sword becomes so hot in the fiery chest of Balzamon that he brands himself again, fulfilling a prophecy. But he's also now lost his sword as a recently you know, acquired blademaster, and he's also lost his physical connection to Tam Thor. He's always held the sword yeah. to convince himself that Tam is his father, and, you know, well, this is my father's sword and all of that stuff. And now that has been melted away.
0: Not to worry, though, because based on the cover of the third book, he's about to go get a shiny new one. So. <laughs> Spoiler. Um, uh, yeah. I don't have anything else to say on the swords. Cool. You guys anything else? But nope. if you want no. to talk
1: about other cool... I, I'm not going to say they're cool because I actually really hate them, but the Adam. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah, oh what geez. a great
0: device no i mean like you say they're awful but what a great storytelling job he did with that mm-hmm. um terrifying and, and in my memory of having read this or listened to it the first time i remembered Egwene being trapped in an adam for a long time like you know a, the a good portion of a book. And in this, it's maybe a couple chapters, yeah. mm-hmm. but in those couple of chapters, he does so much to make you hate everything about what this thing is and what it represents. Mm-hmm. I yeah. loved it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm very curious as to their construction and how they how they work a little bit because Kyber crystals, <laughs> Midichlorines. There you go. Um, <laughs> just because, uh, like, naive is able to. Very carefully, as long as she has the element of surprise, she can get in there and click it off because that's how she gets Egwene mm-hmm. out. And I'm sitting here going, "Okay, how, you know, how did she figure that out? And, You know, how does this thing work enough? I, I just want to know more about it. I don't know because I'm terrified of being put in one. You know, because I'm a woman who can channel. <laughs> 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 I think
3: it, I think it's interesting too, we as just... as Nynaeve, um as they bust Egwene out and that whole that whole rescue scene. We talked about it a little bit last episode, but the the discovery that the soul dame or soldam, soldam. Mm-hmm. can channel as well as oh, the demon and to that, that is yeah. an earth shattering re- like w- discovery for the shanchen empire and not that they know that at this point or anything like that but if that were to be revealed i mean just the the sheer terror on I can't remember what her name was, but uh, Egwene's handler that comes in and catches them, and, and mm-hmm. that they put the the Adame on, or Adam, however you pronounce it. There's no e. Yeah, <laughs> right. it's
0: in the audiobook She keeps pronouncing it Idom. And yeah, no it's, I it's that's there. the thing is the the audiobook like is totally screwing me up.
3: That's all right. They pronounce um, it I said I
2: too, and it's. Uh, but uh. And it's clearly. the sheer terror
3: day. that is uh, that she exudes when she realizes that she's been collared, just mm-hmm. shows you like. First of all, she knows what they're what they're doing to the Demoni. I mean, she was doing that that to Egwene and, and other Demoni. But the idea, I mean that that completely changes their entire culture base for the Chan.
1: Yeah, I think if if that got out it'd be a huge issue, but I think they uh, the sultans have realized, you know, that portion because she it, the terror that she ha- that she has is because she knows, yeah, I can channel a little bit and mm-hmm. they talk about how they go and find uh, women who could be Soldoms mm-hmm. and like that. I, so people
3: that can be women that can be taught rather than than wilders that that are just born with it and like automatically do it. So yeah,
1: I'd be curious as to what their you know those who have who know the secret is they're going out to find out what what delineates between when you find a girl who can channel that she becomes a Soldom versus a demani. Yeah, you know, it would
3: be very interesting to see that.
1: Uh, well, they mentioned it a little bit.
0: Like if you can channel. Uh, if it becomes known that you can channel, then you become a Damani, but then they go, uh, they they take one of the collars, uh, one of the ladies in the collars, the Damani, and then they put the uh, bracelet on the wrist of all the girls in the village mm-hmm. to see who can feel her thoughts mm-hmm. and feelings. And mm-hmm. those are the girls that can th- Yeah, so those are the girls who, yeah, like they haven't come into their power yet, but they, they could potentially... And and they don't understand that. Mm -hmm. They're just using these devices that they don't fully understand. Hmm. Um, Yeah. Uh, What do you guys say to a couple quotes? Quotes Um, Yeah, let's hear them. Are they relevant? Uh, Not to what we just (laughs) said. They are needed. (laughs) Uh, There you go. Well, okay, so there's one from (laughs) Lan. There is one rule above all other for being a man. Do you guys remember this one? Whatever comes... Face it uh, on your feet. You got that one highlighted? Yeah. Wash your I beard sure hair do.
3: down after you trim. <laughs>
0: like, wow. Rinse,
2: lather, repeat, hey man, bun it up. <laughs> yeah, I love that quote. Land, I, land deserved to be in this book more. I'm hoping he shows. Th- you would
1: love the Land Chronicles. Like The whole book was just the Land Chronicles. I, I would. I like Land that, a lot. Honestly,
0: like the most boring book of all time. (laughs) Probably, (laughs) Even if it was just nonstop battle scene, I'd be like, uh, it would be
3: (sighs) similar to like, if Hodor wrote a book where it'd just be all Hodor, (laughs) but Lan would just be all sheep herder, sheep herder, (laughs) sheep (laughs) herder, sheep herder. That's the thing
2: about, maybe that's just me. That's the thing I like about characters like Lan. They're simple. It's like, you know what they're about and what they're about is simple and
1: direct. And it's great. Yeah. Characters like he, like him work because the way that they do because of their limited, uh, touch on the story there. Exactly. That, um, because if if you spent the entire time with when Lan cracks a half smile or whatever, that means something to you. That's because a, yeah, that's
2: a thing because he never does it. it. Characters like him don't
0: work as the main character, but yeah. they work, you know, in their lane and that's great. Uh, so here's I, I don't really have anything to say on this one, but it's just a great line. Dimly he seemed to recall the time when Sidine had sung to him, but not only it not only drew him a flower's, oh, but it Oh, let's see he seemed to recall a time when it had sung to him um a flower's perfume drawing a bee a midden's stench drawing a fly i love how he does that with cydine and and he does it over and over again where he you know he says it's the sweet siren call of cydine and it's this nasty pile of garbage mm-hmm. uh so that's that's good i like when he does that um one more the hate that killed Shadow Logoth was hate they thought to use against the Dark One. It would destroy Shadowspawn as surely as those who walk in the light. And uh, I, the older I get, the more I'm landing on this idea of anger is okay. Anger is useful, or it can be. You don't want to live in anger necessarily. But anger is okay. Hate may be a different story i'm not sure where i come down on that but i like this concept i like that it keeps getting brought up to me in in literature this idea that hate can destroy you uh in a way that anger cannot anyway it's a good
1: bit fear leads to anger, anger I leads to hate. Hate.
0: I hate i hate that quote so much to suffer and suffer. that hate, hate will destroy me <laughs> um anyway do you guys have any of the quotes I, that you had that mm, you wanted to bring up? I, I, I didn't tell you to bring any quotes, and so I just had a few of mine. I only. don't have a
1: quote, but I have a question.
0: Okay, I'm excited.
1: What is he killing? What? What is Rand killing? So at the end of Eye of the World, he kills Balsamon, but it's obviously not Balsamon. Oh, yeah. At the end of this one, he's fighting in the sky. Oh. What is he? What is dying here? What is happening? It, I think I, I have, have the answer. Oh, well, let me hear your answer, because my theory right now is that he might unintentionally be breaking the seals.
0: Oh really? Oh, oh, interesting. Oh.
1: That's my my current oh, okay. theory. Because every time that's happened, we have found a broken seal.
0: That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Well, th- at the end of the book, um, Celine comes in, and he, Rand is unconscious, and Min is laying with him. And Celine comes in and confronts Min, <laughs> and she says,
1: S- "What?" Which is just a very interesting sequence there. Min's whole thought process of, "Well, he's cold." he's calling them. I mean it 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 makes sense but it I just it was a fun section to
0: read uh but she comes in and says she announces herself as Lanfear, mm-hmm. and of course min freaks out and then she says Ishmael thinks he's pulling the strings but I am and that leads me to think that Ishmael is the is you know quote unquote Zaman with the fiery eyes and everything and he's the one that Rand has been fighting because that's going back to the prologue with the man who calls himself boars and all these people like that's who shows up and that's who's mm-hmm. making them or telling them to do what he tells them so I, I assume that that's who it is mm-hmm. well it's, it's interesting
3: too because we, we had a little theological discussion at the end of last episode but they always talk about how the dark one is sealed off from the pattern and he's you know he's outside of time And that the Dark One is like this essence of evil or whatever. But there is no embodiment of the Dark One. He can't actually come into the world. So it's interesting that Rand doesn't grasp that. Because Balzaman is like the embodiment of the Dark One, I guess, from his mind. But I'm with you on that. That he... uh, it's, It's Ishmael. Or Ishmael, or however you pronounce it,
2: call me Isha call Ishmael. Call me Ishmael.
1: Which I, like I said, I, <laughs> I've read ahead a little ways. Mm-hmm. I, I can, I get on, I can get on board with that, with that concept. But it's more along the lines of, he's, he's landed killing strokes in the first book and this one. How is, what is he actually killing? Then, if it is Ishmael, then, what is he striking down mm-hmm. in those moments? Because he's obviously not killing him officially. Mm-hmm. You know I, I'm just curious about that That difference I think, there I
3: think that's a, probably a read and find out Kind of thing um, Not to throw the, Raffo, Brandon, Raffo. Yeah, the Brandon Sanderson Jordan thing out there read and find out But it definitely gets answered a, At a certain point But I don't want to spoil
0: Is it, is spoil it in the, the first half or draft. the second
1: half Of the series <laughs> Who knows <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, It's cool. in there somewhere uh, I have a question. What determines a bil- a person's ability to channel? Is it, And, uh, you know, maybe don't spoil anything for me, but I am wondering about that. Are we ever going to find out why somebody is or isn't able to? Is it just mysterious? Or is it midichlorians? Mid- and am so I, I going say, to throw something I, at somebody?
3: I know that the ability is attached to the soul, so that if, you know, your soul is reborn within, what, throughout the Wheel of Time or whatever somebody who could channel up in a previous life could channel as, again because it's the ability is tied to the soul. But I, I was reading a bunch of Reddit comments and, and dragon Mount threads and somebody had mentioned it's, it's partly tied to the soul and it's partly tied to genetics. And I don't know that it's ever fully fleshed, fleshed out. out. Like, yeah.
1: Cause I would expect, for example, like Nynaeve who's supposed to be one of the most powerful women to channel in this time frame, uh, she comes from the old blood of Manetherin. You know, Egwene's the same way. Uh, Elaine is also uh, shown as powerful and she comes from a long line of queens who have all been, you know, gone to the White White Tower. Tower. Um, Moraine's power level seems to be really high but I don't know enough about her history, I should say, like her background to to continue that connection there but I have a feeling that that's probably there too.
0: all right. I'm satisfied for now.
3: I wonder too because as Aes um numbers have dwindled over the age or over the years because.
0: Oh, that was a great discussion about culling the herd. Yeah. yeah.
3: But uh, that's the thing is that none of the male, I mean, they, they kill off all of the male channe- channelers. So if, if channeling is partly tied to genetics, you can only get it from your mother's side, essentially, because they're going to kill off all, off all of all side. of the male channelers. Sure. And most Aes don't marry
0: so uh, if there is some fools. sort of genetics into it they're like the Jedi they are like the Jedi you know what I'm staking my flag in that one Master Qui-Gon what uh, was <laughs> uh, cool here. other stuff you guys want to bring up we got a few more minutes left I enjoyed the uh, the look into the
2: uh, Aes Sedai society uh, that we got at the beginning of the book watching them <laughs> yeah. oh, I saw you rolled your eyes there like
0: no I oh. just looked at you that's about right <laughs> So just <laughs> um, read into that as you will I guess I, uh, I do I rarely look at Ken I guess that's probably a smart course anyway, go on nobody
2: should, I should ever, I... nobody should ever look at me uh, their their society at the very beginning when you have all of them together or, or the large group of them together when the uh, Amarillan seat you know is there and the way they interact uh, the uh, caste system I guess the interactions between blues and reds and between uh, how they look down at Browns who don't really do anything, and, you know, they just stuck their nose in their books and everything, and the way they talk to each other, I uh, what do I, I wrote down, so anyway, I just, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting to, to listen to them banter back and forth, and it was kind of funny.
1: One of the aspects that we get, not necessarily from that portion of it, but we get a little bit later, and I know we're going to get more of it in the future here, we're starting to understand a little bit more of the concept of Sa Angrial, Ter Angrial, Angreal, I think just, that's, I mean, it. that's the three levels, but not in order because it's Angreal, Terra
0: angrial. Well, well Terra are made for a specific purpose. Terra are
1: like battery powered. You don't have to put anything into them. saw Angreal, you have to put something into them. Angreal, like it, an incredible amount of uh, saw can handle an incredible amount, whereas an Angreal is yeah. just a smaller amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like double that. A. Yeah, double A versus you know a car battery right. type thing. Um but we get that with, we get to see the a, a Turangriel function when Nynaeve oh. goes through the three arches. I love yeah. that
0: chapter so much. That chapter was great.
1: I I really liked it, and I'm, I'm curious as to whether or not we've had the portal stones. Like, I don't know if this is one of those things, like, you go in and here's a movie of what could happen, and it just seems real, or if it's another one of those, like, it's another portal stone where you go to another dimension and be like you suffer through what could be, you know, it just happens to identify your biggest fears and make you go through that. And then you come out, you know, you go through the whole thing naked and come out and get drenched and go back in and come back out and get drenched. It just seems You've little baptized, right? Reborn. Right. Yeah. You've been washed clean of all of your, the, you're being washed clean of this. You've been washed clean of that. You've been washed clean of who you are. You now you belong right. to us. It's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um, I hate you all. They all say that. <laughs> I wanna, yeah, I don't have a, a ton to say about that other than that I liked among other things there uh, there's a lot of meat in that chapter, but the the insight that we get into Nynaeve and her way of thinking and and it gives us a little bit we talked in the last book about how Nynaeve has uh like five speeds and they're all angry yeah <laughs> um <laughs> and and in this case we get scared Nynaeve. Mm-hmm. and uh I, I like having just a little bit more uh, depth to her character and it's I, I remember mentioning on one of the eye of the world podcasts that i i remember that Nynaeve is going to become uh if not my favorite character, then one of my favorite characters. And this is, I feel like it kind of started me down the path of that. I, I really liked uh, hearing about her.
1: And I appreciate that this Tarangriel, that what they have to do in there is simply leave. They have to go back through the doorway when it comes back. You know, the way we'll should come but once, be steadfast. They have to go. It's not a, like a, it's not a dungeon boss. You need to go and defeat, defeat the, this yeah. and showcase you can use the power, which they're actually not even like... Supposed to you're supposed to be able to channel not supposed in to there. To
2: use the power, which I liked, that made the thir- the third trial fun. You know, the door comes, door goes, and she just blows it open anyway. It's like, no, yeah. I'm leaving.
1: She's that, yeah, yeah, she's, that, that, she's powerful. that powerful, exactly. But I appreciated the fact that the it wasn't a, a test of skill; it was a test of will. Yeah, and that that matters uh, when you're trying to establish what a character oh, is. I
3: want to get you guys' thoughts on this as well. The the Turangriel itself, and the and the fact that the Sedai even use it in the first place to me is really confusing because when I don't know if it's, if it is it Shiryam or whoever is explaining to Nynaeve, how it works and where they it found is, it. Yeah. They basically found this archway, Turian grill. They sent sisters in there. Sisters died. They sent them, you know, somebody died. Some, somebody else in there, somebody else died and they don't understand it at all. Really mm-hmm. how it works. They just know that, okay, you go in, you have these experiences, you got to come back out. And to me, for a society of supposedly the most intelligent, powerful, you know, community in Randland uh, as the Aes Sedai, it just seems so stupid that they would say, okay, we're going to use this thing that we don't understand at all. And we're going to send people in there to come back out and become accepted. I mean, they're not even becoming full sisters at this point. It just, Mm -hmm. it's super confusing to me. And it actually made me think, through this re-re- reread, since I recently watched uh, Stranger Things, nice they're like sending them through to the Upside Down because mm-hmm. it's something that they don't understand at all. But we're gonna do it because it's tradition. But they don't understand how it works, and Tuffy so runs. it's it seems <laughs> like a very, <laughs> a very prideful and, and and ignorant thing to do for this supposed, you know, intellectual community of Isodai
1: yeah I think I would say that the on the flip side there they've in their testing they have discovered enough to know that it's a past present, future deal mm-hmm. like, and it shows you your greatest fear deal with your greatest fear is past, present, and future, mm-hmm. knowing that much of it and having had a few people burn out and everything in there like they, there's enough that they feel there's a safe workspace in mm-hmm. which to work, and one of the first things you do when you join a cult is you test people. <laughs> <laughs> Is you test people's commitment to your cause mm-hmm. and this is a good way for them to hazing, it's Aes you know, Sedai hazing pretty much but because they come out they do their little baptism ceremony, they go back in they come out, they do their baptism ceremony uh, outside of basically putting the oath rod in their hands already this is it's one of the few ways they have of testing their commitment level to the order mm-hmm. of Aes Sedai rather than just saying uh, okay well we hope you're committed to this because now you're part of us. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's really the only reason why I would say, even though it is a bit irresponsible to use mm-hmm. it, there's, there's and enough for them to feel this is what we're getting out and, of it.
3: And I think I agree with you on that, like hundred percent, but I also think that it points to the fact that the Aes Sedai or the white tower, as it has been, as its reputation shows has just completely dwindled and changed as far as like their actual ability to mm. understand things, to have an influence on the world. Um, it used to be this great giant center of wisdom and knowledge and power. And it really has just dwindled into, to
0: it's misunderstanding it's Jedi of the old Republic, right? Yeah.
3: yeah. But yeah, no, and I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Cause I think having that room to work and, and minimum understanding they can say, okay, we can use it for this specific purpose. But as we get through the series, all kinds of weird terrain show up, and, and it's interesting how they get used. So,
0: um, sh- Can we change gears? Yeah. Is that all right? Uh, Lanfear or Selene. Um, Kyle, you said something that I can't remember about. Uh, we, we talked about some names and mm-hmm. name meanings and stuff, so and you said something about Selene the other day too. Yeah,
3: I don't have it in front of me. I should have brought it as notes or whatever, but I believe Selene, Celine, the name, is... Uh, Greek goddess, oh, um, right. maybe maybe not Greek goddess, but it means it's like the goddess of the moon or something like that. And uh, it's interesting because they refer to Lanfear as the daughter of the night and we don't actually find out that Celine is landfear until like the very last chapter of this book or maybe the second to last chapter right. when like mm-hmm. we already mentioned landfear comes in or celine comes in but there're little indications they they describe jordan describes celine every time celine shows up as the most beautiful woman you've ever seen, ever seen anyone's ever. ever seen even even <coughs> when min sees her she's like oh it's the most beautiful woman i've ever seen or whatever but uh, there's there's little subtle introductions where you see Celine pop up, and there's that description of her being the most beautiful woman ever ever seen. But then the thing that I thought was really cool is as she leaves Rand, those notes. When she comes and then she disappears, she always leaves him a note to explain that she's going to do this or going to do that, or not not what she's going to do, but you know, tantalizing hints. Basically, but sh- her seal, which is really cool, um, her wax seal is. A moon and stars. So mm-hmm. if you're not, if you're reading carefully, you can kind of get those hints that Selene is land more fear, than more than you know, before yeah. it actually comes. Like she comes out and it. says, "I'm Lanfear." Um, <laughs> but yeah, jazz hands, jazz hands. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, I just thought it was interesting because there's that connection to you know goddess of the moon or whatever, and and she's the daughter of the night, and she's you know supposedly one of the most feared, forsaken, maybe right below or right next to. Is Shamael?
0: The thing that made me the most wary of her, uh, I I remembered. I was pretty sure I remembered who she was. I was waiting for confirmation. But the thing that kind of confirmed it for me is, oh yeah, you're you're not just Celine. Was when they were in the alternate universe with all the contrails
1: in the upside down. In the upside down. And
0: uh, (laughs) and she says to Rand, "Some men choose to seek greatness." While others are forced to it, it is always better to choose than to be forced. And I went, eh, eh, no, 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 bad, bad philosophy. You yeah. know, danger will Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, I flagged that one too. That's yeah. so. Yeah, when somebody says something like that to you, I don't know. I I don't feel like ambition is inherently a bad thing, but, I, but it definitely raises mm-hmm. some red flags for me. Well, and yeah. land
3: fear, is. She's doing her own thing, man. Like, how she says that Ishmael thinks that he's pulling the strings, but I'm really the one pulling the strings. I don't think that she necessarily is, f- you know, two feet in on Team Evil. I think, oh, she's, think, I, so? I think she's on Team fear.
1: Well, yeah, being that she... It's very apparent that she has a romantic connection to Luce Theron. mm mm-hmm. Um and so that's always gonna throw a wrench into the works of something like that as to where her loyalties are going to lie and what that's going to mean. And I'm sure that we're going to be dealing with Rand and her having to figure out how they're you know, what's our relationship discussion? She yeah. feels she feels <laughs> to me she's DTR's.
3: Yeah, she's grooming she's grooming Rand or L or Luce and, and to me, Lanfear's the type to be like Well, with the two of us, we could take on the Dark One and we could rule the Together world. Together we you know? will rule the galaxy <laughs> Rather than, rather than, as she's hot like, where Ishmael has both feet in with Team Evil, he basically just wants to break the wheel and, and be Dark One, you know, whatever. Lanfear <laughs> wants to He be wants to be the Riker to the Dark yeah. One's Picard. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Lanfear <laughs> wants to destroy the Dark One or destroy the Creator... With Rand and have them be the new BL, power couple. BL The Power Couple of yeah. Evil. Right. Rand Fear. <laughs> <laughs> Rand Fear.
0: Uh, cool. We uh, are just coming up on an hour, you guys. So maybe we start wrapping this up. Um, any other points that you want to bring up before we get to final thoughts and predictions and stuff like that?
1: Uh, one more character that I think we need to discuss, um, mainly because it was. R- connection that we get with Perrin there, but uh urine? Oh hurin. <laughs> sorry. <And> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Urin, he smells. Which by the way <laughs> which exactly which is <laughs> why they're sniffers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> which by the way is a total Tolkien reference. Right? No? Silmarillion, the children of Hurin? Yeah. Sure. No. Sure. Okay. Let's he, go with he, it. He, he it took smell? that name right out of the Silmarillion.
1: Okay. Anyway. Okay. No problem with that. Yeah. Um the concept of powers or abilities that exist outside of the power. Ooh, yeah. That's, because we like did that a little bit Min's. with Perrin. Min's got hers. Perrin with his wolf abilities. <laughs> um, Huron and his sniffer ability. There are other uh, trackers, things like that out there, too. Um, I'm interested to see, I'd like to know more about these abilities that are not directly connected to the one power, mm-hmm. I will say. It's not someone channeling something. Uh, I, I'm not beyond the fact to say that they might be some uh, something off that, but I I love I really actually I found him fascinating um, and what it was he could smell like ah, what how the ability functioned it was that you could smell when violence murder those things that they had a very distinct odor to them and that Perrin was able to track it, even though he's not the same but that he could track something similar but he's wolfy now so yeah yeah.
0: Is that what he's tracking? I thought I don't he was know just f- using the wolves to scout ahead.
1: Y- yes. Okay. Yes. But he's still, I mean, he's still, he frequently, when we have Perin, uh point of view chapters. Sniffing. N- sniffing. hes He's got the ability to scent, uh, to use scent to notice things as well. Uh, uh. Um, I was always wondering if it was just like kind of a bloodhound thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, give him an old shoe and then you
2: can track down, you know, the mm-hmm. scent of whoever the old shoe belongs to, you know, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. But anyway, I think that there's a lot to be said for those. It's interesting,
3: too, because Huron's ability to be a sniffer or whatever and smell that allows allows Perrin to conceal his wolf Mm brother-ness, but also contribute with it. So he doesn't actually have to come out. I mean, he. I think he actually tells Ingtar that that's how he does right. it. But he and Ingtar keep that a secret from the rest of everybody else, and they just say, "Hey, Perrin's a sniffer. He does what Kieran does. We're st- we're still on the trail. Let's go." But it but it allows Perrin to keep that private. That was until he's able. Like, and I don't think he has actually come out and told anybody yet.
0: So even more so than everybody showing up at falma at the end ever so conveniently that was a moment that made me go oh brother (laughs) when he tells ingtar and ingtar's one of like eight people in all of randland who's like oh yeah i've heard of that yeah okay (laughs) no i I don't want to put a spike through your chest because you're a dark friend you know uh well because ingtar's a dark friend um Anyway, yeah, that, that was a bit, that was a weird thing for me. Um, one more character, again, one more character that I think we should bring up is Loghain, who shows oh, yeah, up. We, we see two little glimpses of Loghain, and I think he's placed pretty brilliantly in this book, because uh, we see him a couple times, and it's clever and useful, uh, I think, that Jordan gives us a glimpse of what could await Rand, if things go poorly because i think it's pretty established at this point that he's loose there and he's the hero he's pretty safe from death in this story um but there's this idea that he could be gentled that he could be captured by the aes Sedai and that wouldn't necessarily stop the story but the the threat of him being gentled and having this uh, thing happened to him is, uh, I think, a more credible threat and it gives weight to the story in a way that the idea of him dying doesn't.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, and I, and I think that Jordan's done a really good job of, of placing actual like problems or, or the idea that you know your hero can't die because he's got to get all the way to the end. Everybody's like, well, there's no sense of urgency or no sense of danger right. for that person, which I don't think is the case for Rand because of what you've said, because he could very possibly be gentled by Red Aja or whoever, you know, Aes Sedai that think either he's a false dragon or he's the dragon but too dangerous to be allowed to channel. But he also can go mad. And right. so there is yeah. that there is that sense of danger and sense of urgency that,
0: yeah... He I've, I've heard that, that yeah. the Dark One's taint is just filthy. Just filthy. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, you know, there's the, the idea that we don't have the, uh, you know, the Avengers problem where it's like, well, Captain America and, and Tony Stark aren't going to actually kill each other because they've got to come up for the next movie and their contracts are still there. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have that. I mean, don't, but, don't punch but, so but to hard. be real, there, there is no sense of danger for these characters because at some point, you know that they have to do this other thing. Mm-hmm. But Rand could very well still be alive for the last battle but have gone completely mad or maybe he's gentled. Yeah. So there is that sense of danger still.
0: Yeah, all right. Um, final thoughts. Uh, we guys, we ready for final thoughts? To call it good? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, Ryan. It looks like you got something.
1: I, uh, I'm trying to couch my final thought into something having, like, having gone on. Um, the next step in this story... Is Rand proving to himself that, he's the, that dragon. he's the dragon? That's that's what the next piece is, and that's what I would want, even if I hadn't read ahead. Like I would want.
0: I. I, I You're sick and tired of the denials. I get so I tired too. of character. Oh like I
1: understand the purpose and of, of saying as a character, you know, not wanting to be this most feared character in history or whatever. But at a certain point, you have to. Your character has to accept it, and the longer you drag that out, then the less inclined I am to follow and, and to be a part of that. And so that's what I would want out of the next one, and I do when we do get it. So I'm I'm grateful for that. Can Good. I piggyback off your final thought? That's the one reason Nynaeve became less
2: annoying once she finally went through the trials. Because through the first book and a half, it was I'm not going to be, I hate, I said, blah, 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 blah. I and then she finally, <laughs> she's like, y- check out yeah. my ring. And then,
1: yeah, and then she comes around and becomes While still holding to, to her I'm going to kick the crap out of Moraine once I learn how to use this once right. Once this ring means something, I'm going right. to kick the
2: crap out of Moraine. Right. but At least she
1: stops, you know.
2: And and to that and same
3: her. theme, I, I think Perrin needs to accept his his wolfness as well, because yeah. he's, he's doing the exact same thing that, as Rand is doing, and he will refuse to discuss or refuse to talk to the wolves or shut them out or whatever. And at a certain point, I get weary of parents saying, I'm not gonna do it, I'm not gonna do it. Well, you you do it anyways and there's yeah at a certain point you need to accept this as well. Basically the whether only you one. like it or not can be different some can be a different story, yeah. but you need to
2: accept it. Basically yeah. the only one that's become uh, all excited about our new abilities is Egwin. you know. Egwin. <laughs> Egwene, whatever. Yeah. Who's you know, hey, I'm gonna become a nice and this is gonna be great. <laughs> well and everybody uh, else is
1: like, I don't wanna do this. Here's the thing, like based on their upbringing, like I think I talked about it in the first episode we did. Robert Jordan had this concept of like these people, country folk, gets they're stuck in their ways. They don't want to take on these things. Like it's not something that they'd want to do. I mean, quite honestly, I think most of us, if all of a sudden we realized we could communicate with with wolves, the wolves would get tired of us. We'd be like, hey guys, check it out. Exactly. (laughs) We'd be doing that, and we, we would get just as tired of that. Uh, you know, if if Perrin every time was just like, "Oh, I'm gonna talk to a wolf." I, wait a minute, I'm gonna go talk to my wolf friends. Oh, yeah. Hold on, I got a wolf to go talk to. <laughs> we get just as tired of that as him yeah, doing that's this. Probably a good Absolutely,
0: call. probably. Yeah. Speaking yeah. to the uh, the whole country bumpkin thing, um, a quick note uh, criticism that I had because I didn't have a lot in this book, but one thing that came up was <clears throat> he would often say that Rand did things stubbornly he stubbornly he forced himself to go on and he was constantly doing things stubbornly and i'm like listen robert jordan i get it he's a country bumpkin but man, you right? know if you want them to be stubborn just make them act stubbornly don't keep telling me that they're stubborn you know <laughs> i i get that tom marilyn has mustaches he doesn't have to blow them out every time he's about to say
1: anything anyway <laughs> i have to i wanted to slap you upside the head yeah because after the after our other recording you talked about how Egwene folds her arms under her breast and Nynaeve tugs on her braid or whatever. And it doesn't
0: happen a single time in this book.
1: No, it, I mean, I've start, as I've been reading along, every time that came up, I kept going back, oh, there it is again, there it is again, um, In yeah, as I've been listening through. And I finally, it took me like a week of being frustrated with it <laughs> to finally come to terms with it and, re, and just be okay with the fact that this is Nynaeve's, like, this Tell. is her this is her thing. Right. You know, this is her thing, and that's that's Okay. But, yeah, I was, as soon as I said, every time the phrase came up or whatever, any of those phrases that you would use before, I was like, Craig? Just
3: <laughs> just, let it, yeah, yeah. And just let it be known that if Robert Jordan were writing Craig's life, his day-to-day life, when Craig had shoulder-length hair, Craig had this mannerism where he would push the hair out of his eye and over his ear, mm-hmm. and he would do that. I mean, we we would tease him about it at work, and he would do that several times a day. So uh-huh. if it were Jordan writing Craig's life, it would be... He, he, tucked br- his hair yeah, behind he tucked his, ear. his hair behind <laughs> his ear,
0: or something like that. I so. miss my hair, you guys. It was so bad. Um, <laughs> was all right, so for my final thought, I have theories. Um, now, as people know, I've I've read a good way through this, but I am jumping ahead to what I think this is all about. Well, actually, first of all, I have okay, I have two theories. One is very small, and one is bigger. The first one, the records, this is a quote, the records say Aes I Sedai I could fly in the age of legends, but they aren't clear on how. And I, by the eternal laws of novel writing, I hereby declare that we will see some flying by the end of the series. Uh, that's going to be fun. And I'll bet it'll be 9 nave It'll be a
3: 747.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we already saw some contrails. <laughs> um, now, here's my other one. So, time. It's a wheel. It's a wheel of time. But the Dark One tells Rand that he knows him, quote, back to the first moment, and first moment is capitalized. Well, how could there be a first moment if time is a wheel? And so that got me thinking. Uh, Much like the Dark One tainted Sidene on purpose, he or someone else created a time loop a long time ago. And so the story will end up at some point being about breaking the wheel and ending that loop so that time can actually continue and move forward. Uh that's my that's my prediction. Now the thing that throws a wrinkle in that Balzamon or whoever that is is constantly talking about breaking the wheel no matter what Rand does. So maybe I'm wrong about who's gonna do the breaking and what the purpose of it is. But at some point like the wheel is going to turn out to be an artificial thing created the by the power. power. Yeah. Okay. Um so there's my prediction. And and I have I have I don't know how many people just screaming at their headphones right now. Like <laughs> I no. either either telling me I'm crazy or congratulating me. Wait
2: until know. book seven. <laughs> this is
1: crazy. Wow. <laughs> oh.
0: Do you want that louder? No.
2: This is crazy.
0: Oh. There you go.
1: <laughs> I really like that concept. I hadn't really thought of that. Uh but they have said that. Um, if Rand dies, he's not coming back again. It's been said. Oh yeah, like this is it, you're not being you're not going to be reincarnated that's this what, time. Right. That's
2: what Balzaman says to him. Yeah. So yeah, anyway. and that
1: would that would be that would be basically be saying we're at the end of this time loop. So you better get it right this time because we're moving on from here. So
0: anyway, yeah. uh, cool. Any other thoughts you guys want to? This whole thing's just a record that he
1: got stuck and it's skipping in the same spot. For <laughs> burp, 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 burp. Uh, should we, we take a? Should we take a? seal count uh, I think we have three seals three, down three, three seals down, down
3: yeah because baildoman has his seal Turok has his was it Turok? yeah yeah, it yeah had his seal and then the seal that they they found in the uh, the eye of the world and all of them are shattered so three seals down four to go and my four question cruxes.
0: when when this right <laughs> when this happened um and moraine was talking about the broken seals She's like, and there we have to find four others. How do you know those aren't broken yet? You haven't even found them. You know, it's true. not like we that's have true. four whole seals somewhere. So uh, it's hard to say three down, four to go, uh, yeah. unless we're just talking about but finding them. Well, yeah, they to- say
1: that if if all the seals were broken and the Dark One could touch the world, it wouldn't. Right. Things would be different. So that's the, their biggest indicator that there's still something there. Sure. Is that the Dark One is not currently running his fingers through the hair of the world? So,
2: the, what?
1: <laughs> the hair of the world. <laughs> wow! <laughs> the, the eye of the world. The <laughs> world, you have
0: such beautiful eye. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tuck your hair behind your ears. Uh, all right, shall we call it then? Did we well, go I, over most of what you guys wanted to? I was going to say so. through
2: through two books with thirteen to go. I think um, we're getting pretty close to the time where major players are going to start dying. Right? I mean, because people got to start dying. Um, I, it,
0: it's this is not as much as he kind of paved the way uh, Jordan is not George Martin and so I don't know that there's going to be quite the same level of uh, well, no, I don't, killing off for the sake of it.
2: I don't think it's going to be major major characters dying every other chapter or anything like that but, but somebody's got to I mean, people have got to start dying yeah. sometime mm-hmm. I mean Matt well, if
1: dies If we learned anything from this series is that just like any fantasy someone is not dead just because because they're dead they're dead the grave is tom no, has the
0: grave is no bar to my call which is a great line by the way right yeah. but
2: but tom wasn't dead i mean he was presumed dead
1: but that's exactly what they're i'm saying dead. is it that-
2: but i'm i'm saying that the people have got to start actually being dead soon and so and, and sure. if i got to pick one person i'm going to i'm going to pick Eggwayne. because she's the only one who's actually excited to be
1: here <laughs> so
0: <laughs> so you got to go yeah that's all right mm-hmm. cool um i guess well Did you have anything else i
1: only because i know a little bit we talked about this earlier i wanted to just briefly step away from great hunt and stuff but to stay in the series about this fun community of things that have been created about the wheel of time oh boy because <laughs> there you played a song for us before oh, oh my gosh yeah.
0: oh i forgot about that
1: the Wisdom of Emmonsfield
0: by... Katana. Katana. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kyle the hair marked Katana. Kyle sent me a song the other day at work, and it's by a Swedish metal band called Katana. It's called The Wisdom of Emmonsfield. Field. Um, do you guys want to hear it? It will melt your face. It will melt your face. I'll, I'll play, I don't know, a minute or so of it.
1: Yeah, and if you guys know more of these and have more of these things, send them to us, because oh I think gosh. this was... an. I, I it was amazing just the little bit we listened to it was so <laughs> glorious and i love these community you know fan created homages to to stories things like that so yeah. um
0: cool so yeah I'll, I'll play that as we go out uh, thank you everybody for listening a quick reminder patreon.com slash legendary and please support the show we really do need your help uh and we will see you all for the next book which is called Dragon oh reborn. dragon reborn dragon, dragon reborn. reborn that's right okay <laughs> i right. thought you're talking
1: about the next one that we were going to do
0: oh no yeah dragon reborn i uh, we'll yeah we'll get to some more robert jordan stuff later see you guys all then